initially made on a bet, 1976's Hollywood Boulevard marks the beginning of two massive careers, that of directors Joe Dante and Alan Arkish, who between them have directed 24 films and over 100 episodes of television. Hollywood Boulevard is a send-up of the low-budget B-movies of the era and takes aim at the three-girls exploitation genre, and trust me, it does not pull any punches. Made for pennies and shot in less than 10 days using film scraps from other productions and supplemental archival footage from other films owned by the studios, these filmmakers cobble together a movie that, if nothing else, is provocative to say the least even by today's standards. Even with such a piecemeal production, amongst the chaos, this film still manages to convey some very clear messages, exploring the state of the film industry in the 1970s. But what exactly is it saying, and how does it reflect the experiences of a couple of up-and-comers in the present day? You're about to find out. I'm your host, Ricardo Blade Diaz. And I'm Seth Crow, And this is the What's It About Film Podcast, the show where two aspiring creatives aim to glean the meaning of it all through the media we consume, holding a mirror up to ourselves and seeing how it all reflects in our own lives. And today, we'll be discussing 1976's Hollywood Film. Seth, this was your pick. Why did you choose this film? Well, so we we screwed up, Ricky. We... (laughs) We yeah, we're going to be up. transparent with you guys here. <laughs> yeah, we didn't actually. I didn't want to watch this movie. This is uh, this is this was when I turned it on. It was not what I expected. I was expecting a film noir. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are a, a few Hollywood Boulevards. Actually, yes. there's three that I know of. There's a uh, there's this one we watched. There's a 1950s version and a 1930s version. Uh, the reason I uh, wanted when to you pick... say when you say Hollywood Boulevard, do you mean Sunset Boulevard? Maybe the maybe. Sunset Boulevard came out in the nineteen fifties about a okay, about a, maybe. Screen, a screenwriter uh, with Gloria Swanson. And, I might be just missing the mark here totally on what I thought it was. Well, uh, well, here's the thing: the original nineteen uh, thirties Hollywood Boulevard is has that a very similar plot to sunset boulevard so it's uh okay it's about a, a struggling screenwriter and things like i that. think what what made me want to watch this movie initially was i watched mulholland drive mm-hmm. a while back and then I, wa- I had to like watch an explanation on mulholland drive because it's just wackadoo mm-hmm. uh and uh i think uh david lynch said said i think sunset boulevard now that i now that you say it uh, Sunset Boulevard was a huge influence on him mm-hmm. in writing this movie. So, uh, so we screwed up. Uh, I meant to watch the 1950s version of Sunset Boulevard, but you know, this was a nice curveball. It was, was a uh, nice curveball because I don't think we ever would have. I've never seen this movie, uh, <laughs> on Hollywood Boulevard, the 1976 uh, one. So I'd never seen it. Um, yeah. But yeah, so, so like it was something I was not expecting, and it's. I'm gonna I'm gonna say that we're gonna watch Sunset Boulevard at okay. some point. Okay. Uh, we'll retcon this, uh, you know, and uh, watch watch the original. So it's not like I actually wanted to watch uh, no, 1976 I know. <laughs> I just Boulevard. To... I need no. I need them to know. That's why. I, that's why I pitched it to you. I teed that, it up for you. Uh, <laughs> this is not my taste. You know, it's not like I'm just sitting here like. Quentin Tarantino fanboying and watching uh, B, oh uh, B B movie exploitation films. films. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, no. um, but 
you know, for those, actually, but for I, those out there watching along with us, this is not what we expected either. <laughs> <laughs> so when um, we watched this movie, we both went, but, Oh, <laughs> but the issue is, is once we've recorded and announced, we can't not watch it. Exactly. You know? So we got it's not like in. we could. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, what's it about, Ricky? What, what's You're skipping a step, Seth? <laughs> what's, okay, okay, okay. Let's, let's go right. into, uh, why it's here. Um, it's the new, new way I'm describing this segment. So we have, what's it about, but also why is it here? Um, so why is this, why does this movie exist? Uh, so here's a little film history about this movie. So originally, uh, this film was produced by, uh, New uh, New World Pictures and New World Pictures was the production company of Roger Corman. Um, Roger Corman, for any kind of film history nuts out there, um, is like a huge iconic name in Hollywood independent filmmaking. Um, I mean, he's made and directed and produced so many low budget independent films over the years. Um, just a few that uh, I I have pulled up here, but there's just so many. 1996, uh, 1960s uh, Little Shop of Horrors, St. Valentine's Day Massacre, The Intruder, A Bucket of Blood, Pit and Pendulum, and The Mask of the Red Death, but like so many more. He's wow. He's a Hollywood icon, Roger Corman, yeah. and he uh, founded this production company, and they specialized in smaller uh, films and things like that, uh, especially during the 70s. They, they had a lot of what they called three-girl uh, genre films. So basically it was films about like, these three kind of sexy, powerful women. And they're very like exploitation. And basically this film, Hollywood Boulevard is a satirization of that genre in a lot of ways. Um, But but, so the way this film came about uh, producer, uh, John Davison came to Roger Corman and made him a bet that he could make a film cheaper than any other film that new world pictures had produced at that, by that time. Uh, he's like, I could do it cheaper than you've ever done it. Uh, so Roger Corman gave him $60,000, and they went out and they made this film. Uh, I I feel like, I feel like in that, in that spirit, this is something you and I could have done. That's what I'm, yeah, Yeah. there's some weird parallels to the stuff that we, this kind of guerrilla filmmaking, uh, they shot a lot of this stuff without permits. Uh, so like a lot of places like, you know, on Hollywood Boulevard (laughs) itself, (laughs) And a lot of the exterior shots were shot without permits anywhere. Um, uh, and uh, they uh, – so not only that, they also shot in what are called short ends. Uh, short ends are uh, back in the day when actually films were actually be shot on film. Uh, you know, you'd get to uh, – you'd finish your shot, but you would have some film at the end of the roll that wasn't used, right? They mm-hmm. would trim those off. And so there would all these be all these like pieces of like trimmed off film that have nothing – on them that haven't been exposed yet and they film studios would sell those on the cheap to filmmakers and they would shoot on these like you know pieces of unused film from other productions so they bought a bunch of these short ends and they shot the entire film on those wow um and that's usually uh pretty risky is what they said back then because you never knew the quality uh of the actual film itself like if it had been degraded or damaged or you know anything you know you didn't know until after you'd shot your movie you had no idea Huh. Um, so they shot on these short ends. They shot in less than 10 days. Uh, this was technically a non-union film. Wow. So, like, yeah, they shot this on the cheap, man. On the cheap. Let me tell you. 
um, is insane. So and then really they, also, they, are... they also used archival footage from New World Pictures, archive of films that they had produced to like put in a lot of like the more like bigger effects parts of the movie. They're, they wrote I mean, around those things, those scenes to make a make a narrative. They're doing they're doing what I what I call uh, anything can be art if you frame it right, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. so like they're making they're actually making the movie that they're making fun of, but they're smart enough they're smart enough to call it out right. to be able to lean into it. Yeah, know? oh, they're leaning into it hard. Yeah. I've never yeah. seen anybody lean into anything as much as this movie leans into what yeah. it's satirizing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, so this film was uh, directed, co directed by Joe Dante and Alan Arkish. Now, though you might recognize those names. Uh, Joe Dante uh, ended up being the director. This was his directorial debut, both of them directorial debut, but Joe Dante would go on to direct Piranha, The Howling, Gremlins 1 and 2, The Burbs, Small Soldiers. Burying the X's and many more films, but also wow. episodes of The Twilight Zone, Eerie Indiana, Masters of Horror, Hawaii Five O, Legends of Tomorrow, and MacGyver. So wow. I mean, huge. I mean, he's been in the, the biz for forever. Uh, and Alan Arkish uh, directed Death Sport, Rock and Roll High School, Heartbeeps, Caddyshack 2, Shake, Rattle, and Rock, The Temptations. Uh, but he also uh, directed way more uh, episodes of television with The Twilight Zone, uh, St. Elsewhere, Moonlighting, Ally McBeal, Melrose Place, Dawson's Creek, Crossing Jordan, Heroes, Franklin and Bash, Heroes Reborn, Witches of East End, Switched at Birth, NCIS, Nashville, and a series of unfortunate events, among many, many more. There was an NCIS Nashville? No, NCIS, comma, Nashville. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was NCIS, like, I did not know that. Nashville. Sorry, I was burning through those. Uh, but, like, again, 20, 24 movies between them across their careers and over, easily over 100 episodes of television. So prolific careers for these two. And it's all started with this movie. Uh, and this movie was written by... Officially, it was written by Pat uh, Pat Hobby, uh, but that's a uh, pseudonym. Uh, uh, the real writer is uh, Danny, uh, Danny Obotashu, uh, who is the uh, son of uh, a novelist and an actor, uh, but all, is also married to Steven Spielberg's younger sister. Oh, wow. Uh, this is, He only wrote a couple of films, uh, nothing super big, uh, but... Um, Night Call Nurses, The Student Teachers, and Get Crazy are the only other films that are really on his uh, resume. But he wrote Night Call Nurses. Film. Yeah, Night Call Nurses. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he wrote this film under, under Patrick Hobby because it was a non union film. So as a union writer, he was not allowed to write this movie. But he, So he yeah. wrote under a pseudonym because uh, he was a friend of, of the, the producers and things. Um, and yeah, he uh, – um, so Pat Hobby, for, again, a little bit of just, like, fun pop culture history, it is based on a character that F. Scott Fitzgerald wrote a series of books on uh, about a, a guy named uh, – a character named uh, Pat Hobby. Uh, it was a collection of 17 short stories written by F. Scott Fitzgerald about a struggling Hollywood screenwriter past his prime – and his struggles to get his career back on track. It was like basically a 1940s version of Curb Your Enthusiasm. He's kind of a 
cantankerous guy. Uh. Uh, so, but uh, yeah, so that's kind of a lot of the film history here. It's very, this film is probably one of the strangest like backgrounds that I've seen as far yeah. as like what goes into how this film came into existence. Very strange. Well, there's, there's a lot of subtle Hollywood culture needed in yes. to this movie. Yes. Uh, I, if you've, if you've ever lived in Los Angeles, it's, it's kind of neat. I mean, mm-hmm. it's really kind of cool to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, this is my favorite part, honestly, or one of my favorite parts is listening to you give me all the facts about it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's super cool. Cause it's like, Oh wow. Like I, I like, it's nice to know. I, I, right? I, uh, I, I that's I one of the reasons I, I like doing that part. Cause I like to know too. Like after I watch a movie, I'm like, yeah. what, what, how did this happen? Like, what it went into all of this? Well, Cause there's always I, something interesting going on. I hate research. So it's just nice that you just tell me. I love you it. Know? So <laughs> you're the, me and the listeners are thankful for your, uh, Thank your blurbs, you. Um, yeah. So, uh, I, yeah, there's a lot of, like I said, subtle culture going on here. Uh, I mean, I, I don't think this was honestly a bad movie for us to do. Yeah. Considering the other movies we've done and kind mm-hmm. of the themes we've been talking about on the show. Uh, no, it kind of falls in line with a lot of stuff that we've talked about recently. Yeah, yeah. My, I mean... I mean, okay. So wait, I don't. I don't want to break the structure. Where are we at here, Rick? Where are we at? <laughs> if you're if you're ready to really get it, get, mix it, get in there, mix it up, buddy. <laughs> um, let's do our plot synopsis so just everybody can uh, remind themselves kind of what the plot of the film was, or if they didn't watch it, they know kind of in context what uh, different moments we might be talking about throughout the story might be. So I'll just give the okay. plot synopsis real quick, and then you can ask the question. All right. Um, so here's the plot synopsis. A young woman arrives in Hollywood to try her luck as an actress. An incompetent agent hooks her up with a production company which specializes in low-budget B-movie fare, plagued by strange, deadly accidents. Thank you, IMDb, for that summary. All right, Seth, go for it, buddy. All right. So, Rick, what's it about? Man, (laughs) first of all, I just want to say that this movie is like the, the... like, like I thought, true romance was like on on something. <laughs> this film is is the co- most cocaine filled thing I've ever seen in my life. Oh, it's yeah. just so bananas. It is insane. Um, but like I think it very it, it very clearly picked what it was saying and just really hit it home. Like was just hitting you in the face with what it was saying. And the thing that I that came away with was, and I, I like the way I phrase this. Nobody cares if they're getting theirs. That's what I got out of this. All right. Nobody cares if they're getting theirs. So like okay. throughout this whole movie, it's about this production company uh, called Miracle Pictures. And their, the whole catchphrase is, if it's a good movie, it's a miracle. Uh, like So like yeah. they don't care if they're making good movies. They just care if they're able to keep making movies, make enough money to keep making another movie That's, you know, or to satisfy whatever it is that they they are trying to get out of it. For the There's producer, another way to look at that phrase though. Right. Uh, well, okay. You can, you can get it. What do you think? No, I'm just saying – I'm just saying like if it's a good movie, it's a miracle. So like uh, – So they're saying – if, if you see a good movie, that's a miracle picture. Yes. Yes. Um, that's a, the other way to look at the phrase. That's fair. I don't think that's what they're, they're saying. <laughs> well, well, but it might be what the writers are saying. Right. About 
productions. Right. Like I mean? good movies the, are really hard to make. Yeah. Yeah. They are really the hard. fact, the fact that you have a good movie is a miracle. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so like throughout the movie, we see each of these characters are getting something out of these like bad B movies that they're making. The producer is getting like an endless supply of like hot girls to have sex with. <laughs> the writer is continually getting credits. The the director is getting some kind of weird like art art tour itch scratched. Even though these movies are super lowbrow, he like looks at it very artistically. The the lead actress is getting like her face basically in people's faces constantly. Um, and then, like, our new girl is getting her chance at stardom. So, like, everybody's getting their things satisfied. So no matter what else is going on, no matter how they're being treated, no matter what horrible thing is happening to them, they just move on because they're getting theirs, you know? Yeah. Even all the way to the end. Like, it's like, it doesn't matter as long as we get what we want. It's a It's a yeah. very negative look at Hollywood and the film industry, I would say. Well, I would say it's an accurate look of the Hollywood and the film industry, especially in the seventies. Yeah, and the first, and, like one of the first lines that really stood out to me here, especially, yeah, it was was uh, a line from PG, who's the producer. Uh, he says right away, like in the first like three four minutes of the movie, he says there are plenty of girls who would die to be in a Hollywood picture, and then he says there are a dime a dozen. It's so disposable and so dehumanized. As long as he's getting what he needs you know it's still that way it is still that way it that's why it's, that way. this film is like you were saying this film is oddly relevant to what we saying things we've been talking about a lot with like scream and um uh true romance you know it really goes into that but it's instead of like l- being a little bit more veiled uh, about like showing like the positives of like that you know what i mean showing the romanticization yeah. of of wanting your life to be a movie you know wanting that Holly the hollywood dream this movie is like very much like "Mm, no (laughs) no you don't (laughs) it's it's honestly surprising a little bit like uh i'm I'm looking forward to watching sunset boulevard because apparently there's a lot of the same themes that are in this movie that Mm -hmm. are in sunset boulevard Mm -hmm. like things to do with the casting couch and and the hollywood dream being crushed by the hollywood dream Mm -hmm. essentially uh and that's, I think that's why David Lynch likes it so much because apparently Mulholland Drive, which is another road in mm-hmm. LA, which now makes more sense why it's called Mulholland Drive. Uh, whoa, I just had like a really weird realization about that movie. Um, we should make a movie. We should call it, we should call it uh, Ventura Boulevard. <laughs> well, well, I mean, starting with Sunset, Hollywood's above Sunset and then Mulholland yeah. is is over that so like so thinking about it that way the way that david lynch writes it's like a heightened even heightened version mm-hmm. of this story mm-hmm. so so like whoa i'm sorry i'm having like a six a six six point realization here but like so i like i said i haven't seen sunset boulevard so i have to confirm mm-hmm. this theory classic so basically hollywood boulevard is adding a layer of satire over that and then Mulholland Drive is taking like almost an abstract satire over mm-hmm. Sunset Boulevard so mm-hmm. which is even more satiric than Hollywood Boulevard mm-hmm. which sorry I digress <laughs> but uh that's what we do well, on this show yeah yeah <laughs> but that being said uh yeah there's a lot of themes about 
the truth of Hollywood in this film. Mm -hmm. Uh, but for me, the, the core, uh, of it was the line in the middle of the movie. And, uh, it was, let me find it. Uh, art and reality. Where does one begin and the other end? And I find that really, I found that really cool for this movie and a lot of the themes in the movie, right? Mm -hmm. Especially when it came to the rape stuff, right? Yeah. Before we get any further into this uh, discussion, I I personally want to give a trigger warning to some of our listeners. This film uh, is satirizing exploitation films. uh, And if you don't know what those are, um, a lot of those films were very, very violent and graphic, um, they, uh, a lot of them had a lot of like, you know, very hyperbolic sexual overtones, especially a lot of them with like rape and things like that. Um, and this film satirizes that stuff. So they get into it themselves quite a bit. Um, it, some of those moments can be very hard to watch and can be difficult to talk about. So we just want to give a trigger warning, uh, to our listeners, uh, cause we will prop most likely cause it's such a big part of the movie. Most likely to get into a lot of that. So thank you. Uh, Go ahead, Seth. Um, Yeah. So where does art begin and reality end? And I mean, this whole, this whole film is the things that they're making fun of are also happening in the movie, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's like, it's like holding up a mirror to itself and, and trying to market it as a product, you know, Mm -hmm. like, uh it's it's weird because like that that the rape scenes are bad there's they're 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 atrocious in a lot of ways uh they're ridiculous in a lot of ways yeah uh but they're still happening and they're still viscerally like upsetting yeah you no know? you're right like it, it's it's weird because like it's really hard to explain because they're not like playing they're kind of playing it for last but they're also not like, yeah. like, it's like what's surrounding this sexual assault basically is comedic, but the, the sexual assault itself is not funny. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, like we, I think of like the situation where they're in the Philippines uh, and she has to shoot this scene where like she's supposed to be getting like attacked by a bunch of these like villagers, right? And like they're just like going at it, and he's like, okay, you gotta be, you know, you gotta be scared, you gotta, you know, this is, you gotta really go for it. And, like, they are just, like, local people who they're just like, okay, get into this scene and do this. Yeah, yeah. And they take it too far, and it becomes viscerally real. But, like, he's just standing there. He's like, okay, cut. <laughs> okay, cut. Okay. You, you, can, you can cut now. And they're just, like, going at her. Yeah, yeah. And, like, like it, it's, like, kind of played for a laugh, but it's also not. Yeah. And then it happens again later when she's at the movie theater. Yeah. And these two guys like attack her, and then like uh uh her agent Walter Paisley, who's played by um uh uh gosh what's the actor's name uh I have it here where is it uh uh who's played by uh, uh Dick Miller who's also in like Gremlins and stuff like that you guys recognize him from that and small he does a lot of Joe Dante movies uh Dick Miller um he's in Small Soldiers. You know, he's done a bunch of them. But anyway, uh, he comes in and there's like this like goofy, slapsticky, almost cartoonish like fight scene that goes on. Yeah. 
and he saves her by yeah. picking up her butt by her breasts. Yeah. Like he just like squeezes her breasts and lifts her up off the ground. Yeah. It's, it's really it's weird. It's really weird. Yeah. It it it's strange. It's like I don't know. I don't even know how to just describe uh the emotional response of watching this because mm-hmm. so there's like a, a few things going on. It's like first I'm thinking about like the actress that did this Mm. like scene right and it's satire because it's making fun of films that are Mm. like this but it's also not because it's happening and Mm. she has to let it happen so it's like she has to go to the mental place to let these guys do this to her on on screen that's Mm. that's what i find the most disturbing right is that she's put in a position where she has to let this happen on screen Mm -hmm. for her career you know mm-hmm. like who is this chick this chick was she famous before this movie uh so the actress's name is uh candace rielson um she didn't have a very long career she started her acting career uh in like the the late 60s uh and really only acted up to the late 70s um she had some roles but like nothing super big um she i mean she was in like Candy Stripe Nurses. She was in Summer School Teachers, which is which is I think another one of uh, 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 you know one of those three uh, Summer School Teachers is one of those like three girls, yeah, uh, three women exploitation movies. So she's like been in those before. Um, she was in Logan so Bond, not, small roles so, in certain things. Like she's not a huge actress, no. Yeah, she, she so I mean, she movie. she definitely needs the part, mm-hmm. just like the girl in the movie, mm-hmm. you know. So it's like she doesn't really have a, a choice, really, about yeah. doing these atrocious scenes. Now, there's another layer to this is like I, that I I, I kind of find interesting, right? It's like they when they put this in the film, it was meant to be funny because it was so atrocious and ridiculous, mm-hmm. right? Like it, it was meant to be shocking, mm-hmm. right? And now we've come through like the whole me too movement and it's almost like we're full circle because it's like, it is shocking again. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, like it's, if you, if you watch that maybe in the eighties, it wouldn't have been as shocking. It would just be hokey and like mm-hmm. stupid. Well, yeah. It's like the, the exploitation films of the sixties and seventies had all been, you know, I've been there. They've been there. Yeah. That's like, it was a huge part of like the, the Hollywood film scene at that point were these three movies just like that so it's it's interesting that we're we're shocked by it again you know like Mm -hmm. it's it's strange yeah uh for sure um and and i mean the film gets into that like right away like within that one of the first things you see is pg the producer coming out of their little like van with a naked girl (laughs) yeah uh who's jill she jill's one of the three one of the three girls yeah. Uh, later, she's an actress, but like she, you know, sleeps her way into these movies a lot of the time. Um, and and we see that's like one of the first things we see is like this like very like predatory nature of Hollywood of like yeah. this guy is a producer just so he can get hot women to sleep with him all the time, you know. Yeah. And then and then we see a stunt person die on set in a very cartoonish way, but yeah. it's still like the stunt person dies and they Which- handle it and. In- 
such a blase fair way. Which now like is even more like, whoa, just after this Alec Baldwin stuff, you know, yeah, like, no kidding. it's like, well, no, this happens. People die on set when production value is like they make cuts and production value. Right. You know? When someone's like, trying to do something on the cheap, they cut corners and people can die. Yeah. 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 Um, there was a lot of, uh, I, I, I mean, so we, I can't, I feel like I, I can't um, not say this. Uh, cause it's a, a quote from the movie, <laughs> but like, what's it about tits and ass? I mean, it's about, that's what it's about. Mm. I mean, it's not just about that. There's right. a, there's a lot going on, but like, you got to say that about this movie because like, I was like, also like, there's a lot of boobs. Oh my God. So many boobs. Like not just there's like a, one character showing their boobs a lot. There are a lot of individual sets of boobs. And then like long long shots of boobs not just like most films nowadays there's like you might see a boob you might like a nip, a nip might slip you know there's like a, a racy sex scene mm -hmm. where they're topless but like no like long stable stare them down boob shots you know <laughs> just like <laughs> like just women topless on screen for yeah, four like minutes. Whole shots dedicated to just <laughs> seeing lots of boobs. It's almost like an American Pie spinoff. Yeah, <laughs> in a weird yeah. way. And I mean, so I guess what I'm saying, I, I don't know. You know, I hardly ever know what I'm saying, but <laughs> but uh, I like there is there is truth in this movie. Mm -hmm. It is like it is the blurred reality of what Hollywood was like mm -hmm. in the seventies. I mean, and still is truthfully like, I, I mean, I think they're trying to, you know, make headway in that area some, but mm -hmm. at the same time, even if people aren't like sleeping with producers in vans, like nepotism's real. Oh my God, like, yeah. like, like the way Hollywood works is screwed up. It is. I mean, I have, you know, I have personal stories of how Hollywood works being screwed up, you know, mm -hmm. like I was emotionally traumatized the first four months I was in Hollywood and, and that was, and they got theirs, you know what I mean? Like they got I was them. just, nobody cares unless they nobody, got theirs. Nobody cares unless they got theirs, you know? And like, and I was like living my art. You know, mm -hmm. like I was like fully embodying what I thought I, I, I've been, I've been candy hope, you know, mm -hmm. like I have been, candy you mean hope. candy Wednesday, candy, <laughs> change, yeah, it. No, January, change it, January, it was January Wednesday. Yeah. Was, well, yeah. So what's funny is, so yeah, what's your name? Candy hope, change it. Why? <laughs> this is Hollywood. We change everything. <laughs> How about January Wednesday? <laughs> well, so what's funny is the character is officially credited as candy Wednesday. So oh, she wow. did change her name. That's awesome. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like, like this, this show, this movie is horrible, but it's also, it's true. Like it's accurate. Yeah. yeah. It super heightened in that way. So like uh, an aspect that I, that kind of led me to kind of where I was thinking it was like specifically with this uh, Mary character uh, who uh, Mary is like the, the big shot actress, Mary McQueen. Uh, is her name. She's like the the star, not really, but she's like the star for this 
production company. She's basically in every single one of their movies they do. She's always the lead woman, right? So the subplot, again, spoilers, everybody who haven't seen this movie or, or you know, if you care. Um, spoilers, Mary is murdering other women on the set. Uh, so she – it's you're led to believe that she is threatened by these other women as they rise up in like popularity and, you know, through the company are getting bigger and bigger roles. She's threatened <coughs> by them. So she – offs them periodically uh, to keep herself above them. So you're kind of led to believe that she might have had something to do with the the skydiving accident that starts the film. Uh, She murders Jill uh, when they're in the Philippines. She shoots her, but she attempts to murder Billy with like a poisonous snake. Uh, And then she ends up murdering Billy later on uh, by stabbing her. She tries to kill Candy with like a car accident. So like like this Mary, like that's like a very heightened thing. But like also, there is a little bit of like realism there in like this like hyper competitive nature to Hollywood. In that sometimes you feel like you are only succeeding if you are keeping other people down, sabotage others. Yeah, right. That's like especially true in the other people's rising there. stocks lowers your stock. Yeah, and that's and it's true and untrue in certain ways. Well, Mary. So this is. So Mary's character, if you listen to her talk, actually has some like artistic things to say. Yeah, she does. You know, and so I think I think she's I think she's desperately trying to transcend like Mm -hmm. the casting couch, if you will. Mm -hmm. Like she's wanting to be taken seriously as an actress, Mm -hmm. but it's so difficult. It's literally driven her psychotic. Mm -hmm. Like, like she's stuck. She she's yeah she's stuck like like she's been sleeping with producers long enough where she feels like she doesn't have to anymore or she should be taken seriously at this point Mm -hmm. you know like she feels like she's carrying the studio and and it's to the point where she's so not taken seriously that she starts killing people Mm -hmm. which i mean makes sense like you know like if that's your mental state it really i can't blame you Mm -hmm. you know uh i mean nobody should kill anybody but like Seth that's crazy it's a miracle (laughs) how often we have to say that on this show (laughs) when you talk sometimes hey everybody I don't advocate murder (laughs) but listen I'm just saying when you're psychoanalyzing when you're psychoanalyzing psychopaths you gotta you know no I get it it's just funny how often you have to like qualify that yeah yeah. (laughs) just so you guys know I don't advocate murder (laughs) but it's you know she I, like it's, I feel bad for. Her. No, and, this movie makes me feel bad for everybody involved. Like, w- with the exception of well, even at a certain point, even you feel bad for PG at a certain point, even though he is deplorable. You can f- there's a moment where one of the movies is about to get shut down where you see his desperation. Right, he's well, like, it's, it, if I'm not a producer, funny. I have nothing. Like, yeah. like I literally am destitute and worthless if I'm not making a crappy movie every week. Have you? I mean, so there's two things here. I think it's funny that his name's PG because it's he's like, rated R. He's rated X. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Great. And then it's like it's like oh, it's a PG movie. You can say that, <laughs> mm-hmm. but there's it's not P. It's not going to be PG. Uh, but uh, have you ever talked to a big Hollywood producer? Not anybody like super in a super duper position of power. No, I have not uh, had, the, had that chance yet. I have. 
and they wouldn't be anything if they weren't produced. Like that's real, you know, Mm -hmm. like they are so like, like they willed it, they willed it as power because they're so insecure in themselves. So like, Mm -hmm. it's, it's strange. Like I've, the, the producers I've met are like giant toddlers, like, Mm. like they get whatever they want because they have the power. And if they don't get what they want, they're like big babies, you know? And it's like, they don't have a personality outside of outside of producer, Mm. you know? And it's like, it's like everybody around them is brought there and wants to be around them because of their position. You know, mm-hmm. like we're we're gonna have to bring up Harvey Weinstein at some point. At, in I mean, this you podcast. can do that now. You know? It seems yeah, like yeah. A, it seems like a perfect. I mean, perfect position. Like, I mean, it's. I just I bring him up because like, how do you make it in Hollywood? You know, like we don't know. We don't know. Like, it's it's weird, and it's like I mean, there are other ways to make it as an artist now. Like, and I think honestly, that's becoming the mainstream way, but who, like, you don't, you don't actually get discovered. You don't like, you know, somebody who you're friends with, and then they put you in a position to be famous, you know, like it's, it's weird. It's like, it's like the, the casting couch is really great. It's like, not everybody is Harvey Weinstein, but what if you hook up with the writer on the set? Like she does, Mm -hmm. like like the and you actually do have a real connection there and it leads to oh you're going to get to be in these movies but then you break up you know but now you're already in the movie so how did you come up well you knew the writer on the movie you know so like it's it's that's how it works yeah. you know and and then it's also like it it's also so clicked like so like like you have these families or people who have been making movies for forever mm-hmm. and then they know those people like it's like how i don't know i don't know how you actually break in uh so it's like i mean it's, okay so if you said to me at the time like hook up with this person and you can be in this movie when I first arrived in Hollywood <laughs> and I, and also I wouldn't have to go through like what I actually went through. Would I do it? And I don't know if I can say no to that. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, I don't know. How do you feel? It's such a hard question, man. Cause like I personally have not had the same, your experience was, was particularly, heightened in a lot of ways my experience here in la and here in hollywood has been much more uh i would say gradual but like my like traumas or like my moments of like having this happen this kind of stuff happen has been on smaller scales and also way more like spread out yeah um so at this point like I think I if I, someone if I like right when I got in LA if I had that opportunity I probably would have said no but just but only because I was still idealistic in that way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I hadn't I hadn't been smashed in the face yet. Right. right. <laughs> so I probably been like no, I don't need to do that. Like it's I'll, I'll figure it out. But now. Looking back now, 
I don't know. <laughs> like I still, again, I He's... I haven't had such such a traumatic event the, as much. However, I do also I've learned that like it is a lot about who you know and who you have relationships with and who you have yeah. connections with, and like not to like be crass about it, but like sex and like romantic entanglements and things like that are like good ways to build relationships. Like you build yeah. a very strong relationship with somebody in that way. Yes. But I'm not saying that's like exclusively what I would use that for, but like, right. you know what I mean? Like if I, like you said, if I w- yeah, was in a relationship with an actress <clears throat> or a writer or a producer yeah, and they were, they got into a position where they're like, Hey, like, I mean, you are in, a, are in a thing together. I can get you on this show or I can get you staffed on this show as a writer. Like, would I say no to that at this point? No. Probably not. <laughs> like I wouldn't like that yeah. would be amazing. Yeah. I would feel like I would need to earn it after the fact. Like I would yeah. need to really put in the work to like make it not just because for nepotism's sake, but you, you're right. Like I at this point, like if I was dating somebody and they were like, well, I can get you on the show, what I would if do it's it. An old lady. What if it's an old lady that you are at a hotel bar and an old lady walks up and she's like, I'm oh. super, super rich. Uh, uh, let's 70, 70 year old. Yeah. 70 year old woman. And she, uh, she's like the, like an heiress or like (laughs) her husband was super rich. And so she's just living at the Beverly Hills hotel and she's like, she's like, uh, hang out with me and I can make all your dreams come true. Oh man, I don't know. If Eris uh, wants to hang out with me, I I had a red flag goes up. <laughs> I got kicked out of the Beverly Hills Hotel because I was wearing shorts once. Remember that? That I do, but that happened to me, man. That, <laughs> no that shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it wasn't said like that. It wasn't like that straightforward. But like this lady, I, and I'm gonna I'm gonna use I'm gonna use real names because she I don't Ooh. even know if she was I don't even know if she you was. You can't like, do that. Well, there's no. There's no way she's like gonna listen to this. A right, but what if we get famous? Uh, I would like to find her honestly because she just ghosted. She just vanished. So okay, you want to hear a story? Okay, omit name, please. All right. Well, you can tell me outside the podcast, but I don't want it on record. Okay. 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 <laughs> I want it for public consumption. Well, I'll say this: she had a very similar name to my sister. Okay. Okay. And she had the same birthday as my sister, which is like real weird. So Dude, like, I think you, I think you almost slept with your sister from the future. No, 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 <laughs> no. Well, I don't know. It was, it was trippy because my sister is a leap year baby, oh, yeah, and like yeah. the odds of like meeting someone with basically the same name and being a leap year baby was really mm-hmm. weird. And it was first when, when I first moved to LA, like first two weeks. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I was hanging out at Beverly Hills hotel a lot. And this old lady starts like coming in and hanging out with me at, at the bar mm-hmm. and we start talking and she thinks I'm really funny, mm-hmm. you know? Wow. And she's Italian mm-hmm. and she's like, your, your comedy is in the words. I, I'm not doing a good Italian accent, but like <laughs> she's, She's like, she like wants to listen to me talk. And so we developed this like 
friendly relationship. I would see her every Monday mm-hmm. at the hotel bar. Well, I'm naive. I don't know that like that's where like prostitutes and and like people hang out. She's on the prowl. To, she's on the prowl. So like then there's one week where like there's this steam cover cover band uh, playing in there and like we dance, you know, like me and this old lady dance. And so like eventually she invites me to go see Al Pacino in a show in uh, uh, Pasadena, mm-hmm. like um, like opening night tickets to see. I mean, this lady lives in the Beverly Hills Hotel. Mm-hmm. Okay. She doesn't live, she doesn't have a house. She lives mm-hmm. in a hotel. And her husband apparently was some famous Italian artist. Mm-hmm. And so she just has all this money. Mm-hmm. And she was like, we'll go up and talk to Al after the show. Like crazy situation. Like mm-hmm. we go, I, I go and watch the play. It was a Tennessee Williams play. I loved it. It, it wasn't no Tennessee. It was about Tennessee Williams, Al Pacino mm-hmm. playing Tennessee Williams. It was okay, honestly, but it was like, I was seeing a show first two weeks I was there. I was like, right. that's Al Pacino, you know? And she, like, we went to dinner and then like, I was starting to at that point be like a little bit, okay, maybe this is weird. Like maybe this lady wants me to like take her home, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was like, I-, I thought she was just being nice at first, but I like, mm-hmm. I was like laying it out. Mm-hmm. Like, and she even was like, maybe, maybe you can be my assistant. Maybe you can be my assistant, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was like, I, I laid it out. I did lay it out. I was like, look, I will, I'm happy. I would love to be your assistant. I was like, but I need you to know that like, I'm not willing to do anything that's untoward, in a, in, uncool or un, inappropriate. Like, and I never heard from her again. <laughs> It was, it was just like, poof. Wow. But like, she like did go up to, like, she didn't take me with her. So maybe she was full of crap, but she like, I brought her flowers Mm -hmm. for taking me to Mm -hmm. the the play. And I think she, I mean, she might've been full of crap, but she went backstage and took the flowers to Al, but she said she knew him. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. It was. Dang, so, I mean, that stuff happens. That stuff happens, right? Like that. Like looking back now, <laughs> like wh- and knowing what I was about to go through, mm-hmm. like the 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 second tra- traumatic experience. I won't go through the details, but basically, I was on America's Got Talent, mm-hmm. and I was exploited on America's Got Talent. Like they knew they were going to crush my my dreams. Yeah. When they when I signed up, and. I don't know, man. I mean, it would be a tem- it, like it would be tempting that that offer might have to be like reassessed. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not saying I would. I'm glad I didn't. But knowing what I went through after that, like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's it's man, it's weird out here. You get into these situations and it's like uncomfortable in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it, this movie just brought up a lot of that kind of like man, yeah, this this business is really it's broken in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. it is skeezy. It's a lot of people wielding their 
power and influence over people who desperately need it. Um, and you you care about how bad it is until you're getting yours. Yeah. You know? Like, like, like we see it at the end of this movie is Candy is all about bringing Mary down, all about bringing – when she thinks it's her boyfriend Pat is the murderer. She's all about bringing him down, you know – quitting you know she's she's all about like standing up for her principles towards the end right yeah until she gets famous for making the movie of her like experience in la like they did like a movie version of the movie that we just saw yeah (laughs) Uh, and she gets becomes a very successful actress like the hot the new hot a-lister after this film right and she just is now just living the life of this a-lister not is, even caring about like all the shit that she just went through. She's like, whatever. Like, it doesn't matter. I got mine. Which is, yeah, because you're you want to make it, you know. And like, the dream dies as you go, but it doesn't die totally. Mm-hmm. So it's like you're willing to compromise little things, which eventually become big things, mm-hmm. you know. And like, I don't know. It's 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 weird. Like. If I'm thinking of like, okay, so what's this movie about for me? Mm. You know, it's, it's the, it's the truth that, that Hollywood is garbage, you know, Mm -hmm. like the truth is Hollywood is this movie. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, it's so interesting because there we see, I think some like really great symbolism, symbolic representation of this idea that. Hollywood appears glitzy and glamorous and shiny and beautiful, right? But when you get up close, it's not. So like very much like we look at the Hollywood sign. So Candy likes to hang out at the Hollywood sign. So in the 70s, they didn't have it all blocked off like they do now. Yeah. Um, So people could literally just like walk up to the letters of the Hollywood sign. Um, And we see as she's sitting there that there's like graffiti all like on the bottom of like the Hollywood sign. There are like portions of it that are like – broken and like falling off and like a bent it's not being well kept and then they pull the camera pulls out in a way and those like imperfections and like the dirtiness of it kind of becomes invisible uh yeah. but when you're up close you can see it so it's this idea of like from outside hollywood looks glamorous it looks grand but once you get up close it's it's, it's not trashy it's it's well, trashy. And man. even even the very name of the film itself, Hollywood Boulevard. So if you've never been to LA, when you go to Hollywood Boulevard, yes, like it's got the walk of fame, it's got the stars, it's got the the theaters, it's got, you know, it's got the Chinese theaters, it's got all these cool landmarks. But like mostly it's gross. Yeah. <laughs> Hollywood Boulevard is gross. It's gr- <laughs> there's it's, there's and it's homeless crazy. people. Yeah. It's 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 gr- it's it's Gross. Gr- grimy. Yeah. Hollywood Boulevard itself is gross. Yeah. Like, like there is a moment of like you like looking at the stars and you're like, oh, that's cool. That's cool. And then the you'll see a piece, time, of, yeah. piece of human feces yeah. <laughs> on one yeah. of the stars in the middle of Hollywood Boulevard. Like who s- squats and poops yeah. on, on the middle of Hollywood Boulevard? That's what it is though. It's got – there's something uh, There's something about it that that eventually gets gross, you know? Mm-hmm. like like yeah I, I so i guess i'm i'm kind of thankful that 
things like podcasts or, you know, mm-hmm. like streaming is now an avenue. Uh, you know, I don't really want to hook up with an old lady, you know, but. If I had a connection with her, I'd do it. <laughs> yeah, but I'm saying like, <laughs> but I'm saying in Hollywood, yeah, you might have to. Yeah. If that's the way you're going to go, mm-hmm. you know, like if, if you're going to get discovered, I mean, that's what getting discovered is. Mm-hmm. It's how to how to impress somebody that has way more money than you. And there's mm-hmm. very few ways to actually do that, you know, and it's not going to be, it's, it's, it's very rarely how talented you are, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, so just to kind of move out of the like general kind of discussion of the film, and we kind of already touched on some of this stuff of like how it reflects in our own lives here, how this film we very much relate to because we are experiencing it. Um, uh, just wanted to touch base on like a little bit of reflection for us as far as like, I, my question is, and you've kind of already touched on this. So maybe if you just want to turn it around to me, that's fine. Yeah. Um, but like in your experience in, in LA and in Hollywood in pursuit of this dream, what are some moments that you have felt dehumanized and used in the kind of the way that these actresses are? Um, and how did you kind of like move either move through them or how have they continue to affect the way you approach things today? Well, yeah. Like, I mean, I mentioned the America's got talent thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was huge. I mean, that like that scarred me, you know, mm-hmm. cause it's one thing to like get rejected, but to get to rejected on national television, you know, mm-hmm. in front of thousands of people in a grant, like in an arena, mm-hmm. that's, pretty brutal especially when you find out that there was no you had no shot in the first place Mm. like that it's it's completely rigged Mm. um which they'll never tell you that it's completely rigged but it totally is so there's that but like if we're we're gonna take to a micro level i mean just like i I still do commercials uh commercial Mm. auditions and just the way just the way that they deal with you Mm. as an actor is so like you don't matter, mm-hmm. you know, like, like they expect you to have your self tape or be at the audition, no matter what, like there's no wiggle room. If you're not, if you're not committed or you need, like you have to work or something like that, like they're going to drop you. And it's like, it's just the way that you, you just, you really don't matter. Like it is, you are a number. You're a dime a dozen. Yeah. And, uh, like the the way they talk to you in 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 casting offices, mm-hmm. it, you're just so like and and then they wanted like the their direction their direction drives me bonkers. It's like we want you to do it this way, but not too this way. Mm-hmm. And it's like it's like we want you to be funny, but not too funny. Like real funny, but like goofy funny at the same time. And it's like you're not saying anything. You don't know what you want, but but you expect me to deliver what you want even though it's impossible. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's where I, I experienced it. Uh, I could go on forever. You should mm-hmm. answer because I could go on forever about mm-hmm. this. There, there were, I mean, obviously there are a handful of like small stuff, like just like you said, like little micro things, like you're right. Like how people treat you in auditions and like, like yeah. Like if you like say a conflict comes up and you can't, you can't make it to, uh Oh, say a conflict comes up and you can't make it to your audition time. Right. 
this doesn't apply as much now in COVID times, but like, but this was like before that. Like, you can try and reschedule, but they're not really going to work that hard to try and get you in. Like, they don't. It's, it's like, a strike okay, against you. Yeah, like you're going to make us reschedule you. Like, it looks bad on you if an emergency comes up, right? It looks bad, yeah. and it's like that's that's bull crap, you know. Like, but like, so my big ones were, um, I uh, had an audition for this AMC show. You you might remember this. Um, I auditioned for one role didn't get it, but they reached out to me and asked me for an audition for a different role, which I thought was really cool. So I did. I got a call back for that role, which was awesome. I felt really cool about that. Um, the the casting director who was in New York, um, which is where the, the casting office was, called me specifically and said, hey, we loved your audition. Uh, we want to bring you back for a third round of callbacks. We, you know, we're going to set something up so we can do like a Skype because you're not in New York uh blah 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 he's like we'll, we'll reach out to you we'll let you know i was like great cool uh like a week goes by nothing i i call i i call their office i'm like hey can i talk to yada yada um uh we're supposed to be setting up a, a you know a, a you know a, an audition and they're like oh he's not in right now blah, blah you know they gave me the runaround and this happened for like months months wow until so i finally was able to to get in contact with him again and he's like oh yeah we cast it Wow. Just like, like, okay, that would have been nice to know. Like, I've been trying to contact you for a couple months now. You could have just said that earlier. Like, I'm an actor. I understand that. But, like, the fact that you, like, were avoiding me, it, it, like, I wasn't even worth your time for you just to be like, hey, man, like, we, we, we found somebody knocked it out of the park. We found, you know, we found our guy, you know? Yeah. Like, and I watch the show. Don't call us. Good. Don't call us. We'll call you. Right. And I've had a couple of those moments where I've had like people be like, "We'll we'll reach out to you." Like very clearly, like, "Hey, like we'll let you. Yeah, you know, we'll actually like reach out to you and let you know." And that like, because they don't always say that. Sometimes they just say thank you. Sometimes they say, uh, "We'll let you know." But like, like when someone's like, "We'll we'll contact you." Yeah. Like that to me is a very clear indicator of like. Okay, well, one way or the other, at least I'll, 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 I'm worth their time to at least reach out to, right? Yeah. And this guy just, man, he just like really like set me up to like for a fall, you know? Like he made me feel yeah. like I had a shot when really I didn't. Yeah. Uh, and that really sucked. Um, the other one is uh, I when I very first moved here, literally kind of like you, like within the first two weeks, I auditioned for this theater company, uh, which I will re- re- keep nameless. Uh and uh, this guy, this head of the theater company, he's just you know he's a he was a class A like scammer like he was like really good he is a great like smooth talker he he made you feel like you were talented and that you you know you had something he wanted to invest in you and he believed in you so he like got me to like do his like conservatory program which. Looking back, I made a lot of great friends from that. I still have friends from that conservatory that I, you know, I still talk to and I'm still on good terms with. So it's not a complete wash, but like I gave him a bunch of money, my money, to take these acting classes with him, because uh, so then I could then be in like his productions and you know he was like, oh, like once you're in the company, like you can like stage your own shows here, you know, all you know, all this yeah. yada yada, right? Um, turns out not a very good guy kind of a huge narcissist and really 
played with my emotions in a lot of ways. Um, like, like, so there was a moment where I was, I got, I was an understudy for one of the shows The the person who I was understudying dropped out. So I became the main cast members, which was great. And, um, uh, again, made a lot of friends doing that show and really loved doing that show. The show itself was amazing, like a great experience, but the director and the writer of the show had a falling out with the, uh, company the theater company uh owner um big falling out so basically they're like we're gonna pull the show from your company and we're gonna go put it up ourselves and so he basically was like anybody who goes with them cannot be a part of this theater company is not welcome in this company anymore and i was kind of conflicted because i had made friends with the pe these people and i love doing this show isn't that where you met is that is that where you met your roommate yeah yeah doing that yeah. show that's the show yeah yeah I was conflicted because I had all these friends that I made in this show, my current roommate, <laughs> um, and, but also all these friends who were still in the conservatory too. Some of my, my best friends I'd had in LA at that point, you know what I mean? Because I'd only been there a few months. Yeah. So like I went to him one day and I was like, I'm feeling really conflicted about this. Like I, I don't want to leave this, but I also don't want to abandon them. And he basically was like, if this decision is hard for you, then you should just get out. And he kicked me wow. out. Wow. He's like, he's like, and he's like, never come back to the point where he wouldn't let me come see my friends in the next show they were supposed to be doing, which was like Richard the, the fifth, wow. whatever he's like, or Richard the third, whatever. But he's like, I asked for to get tickets and he said, you're not welcome to come. So he's come see my friends in a show to the point where he unfriended me on Facebook. He unfriended me on Facebook yeah reached out to other people around me and specifically did not reach out to me to apologize for how that whole situation went on to like i had personally hurt him in some way because yeah. i was conflicted about my decision instead of just choosing one or the other yeah ridiculous this guy has like personally traumatized me to sometimes i have nightmares about the way he like emotionally like manipulated and abused me in certain ways yeah like it's weird it's weird. It'll just come up randomly. Like, I don't know why, like, he still is affecting me so much, but he does in a weird way. Yeah. It's fucked up. The, I mean, like, it's the whole, the whole dynamics of Hollywood's power structure is just, I don't, I mean, I don't know if it's, a, I don't think you can avoid it, truthfully. Mm -mm. I'll, I'll tell this one last story from my perspective that, and I'm not going to use names again, but uh, I used to be in a group of musicians in L.A. Mm -hmm. And there was a celebrity in this group. Mm -hmm. And it was wild. It was it was mind blowing how the energy shifted when this person walked in the room. And it's it's modern royalty, mm -hmm. you know, like you're dealing with people who are essentially kings and queens and what they say has bears so much weight in that world that it's just really hard not to give them everything they want mm -hmm. because just being allowed to be in the vicinity of this person get, raises your status. Mm -hmm. It raises the potential for you to have a career. Mm -hmm. You know, like if this person likes you, you might get to become like that person. 
Mm-hmm. And that is horrifyingly powerful. Mm-hmm. Like it's 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 the weird it's one of the weirdest feelings I've ever felt. No, you're it's very true. There's a and that's the problem that Hollywood's coming up to right now is the fact that like you have a bunch of people at the top or even in the middle, you know, who have who have power. It just because of their status. You know, yeah. and their ability to change people's lives. And then you have everybody who's at the bottom in the rat race, desperate to get out of the rat race, yeah. right? So like just being right, just being near that person, that person has even on a lower scale, has power to lift you up. And like there's a desperation there of like, I'll give this person you're right, I'll give this person or satisfy what this person might want so they'll like me so that they can change my life. And that's like it they're it's not even anything that they're doing. It's just the fact that they just are who they are and they've yeah. they've accomplished what they've accomplished. And it's it creates an inherent predatory landscape. Even if that person is not that like that. It it just is. When yeah. you have somebody who when you have a group of people who are desperate and a group of people who have the ability to give them salvation in a lot of ways. Like what do you expect all these people to do? They're going to get taken advantage of more yeah. often than not. And, and it, it, it goes both ways in some regards, you know, mm-hmm. like some they get people taken advantage looking, of too. Yeah. 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 I mean, they're in a better position. Mm-hmm. Like they have more power, but like some people are looking to exploit them, exploit them. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's complicated. It's 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 wild, you know. I it's, think I think this film has just caused us to to just really hammer down that this industry is messy and and gross in a lot of ways. Just like Hollywood Boulevard, baby. Mm-hmm. So, Seth, I think that was, I think that is a good wrap up. Is there anything else you want to talk about? Hollywood, you want to say about this film before no, we wrap man. it up? No, man. No, we'll watch Sunset next. Let me ask you did, did you, did you like this movie? I did not hate it. Okay. Actually, I will say this. The best part about this movie is the band in the middle of it. <laughs> it's just a random music video. Yeah. Uh, and I looked at that band up the afterwards. Gypsy, the Gypsy. No, it's uh, Commander Cody and his Lost Planet Airmen. <laughs> Check it out. on It's on Apple Music. It's awesome. Like he's like he's like a. I mean, and I I I I looked up Weird Al because I thought the saxophone player was Weird Al for a second, and I was like, <laughs> but it's not. But he was a precursor to Weird Al Yankovic, this guy. So like he was apparently a, ma- a major influence on Weird, Weird Al. Al. Yeah, and uh, he is a major move. Like he he had a major like implementing blues music into country music mm-hmm. like all of his songs are kind of comical like mm-hmm. they're not parodies they're kind of comedy country mm-hmm. songs but they're actually really good so like mm-hmm. go check it out okay. uh uh there's one called the seeds and sims blues which is pretty uh uh i don't know pretty accurate to los angeles i think, I think it's a blues blues country comedy band that's like literally your that is your jam yeah, it, it, it's I mean, and it's good music. So uh, that's, that's that's what I'm taking from this film. Um, yeah. So we should we should we talk about what's coming? Uh, 
Yeah, uh, just for my real quick, I did not like this movie, not even a little bit. <laughs> I, I it was, I was like, okay, this movie is interesting up until the the like bank robbery scene where she gets tricked into doing a bank robbery because they told yeah. her she's shooting a movie. Like right after that, like how weird and like that that part is like played out. I'm like, okay, this movie sucks. <laughs> I don't rare. like this movie. That's anymore. rare. For, that's rare for you. I did not enjoy like watching this movie yeah. at all, and I and I for this show, I watched these movies several times so I could really like get in there. So I yeah. watched it two times, two and a half times. I could not get wow. through it a third time. I couldn't watch like, it again. I, yeah, because I'm like, I cannot watch this again after after I, two that, times. Never. I, again. I don't. I don't think I can count on one hand how many movies you dislike. You can. I just don't talk about them as much because I don't yeah. like them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, I did not like this movie. Uh, I think it's. Like you were saying earlier, it's fascinating because of its film history, uh, like what how it came into existence makes it kind of interesting in a lot of ways, uh, and it is a it's a satire, so there is like a, a hyperbolic way of looking at it. So I think some people might enjoy how like in literally, it's kind of like Tropic Thunder. It it's like Tropic Thunder, bit. but but not as well in the made. 70s and not as well made. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. It has a Tropic Thunder. Ask. I even uh, another movie I kind of akin it to was like Nightcrawler, where it's like yeah. we enjoy watching this like sick and depraved stuff. Like that's what those exploitation movies were all about back then. People enjoyed watching the grotesque, like hyper violent. This is awful. Yeah. This is worse than television. And he yeah. just keeps watching. Yeah. yeah. It, it people. It, it, I think that even applies to like today, like how we enjoy watching like celebrities or like you know people we like watching when they flame out you yeah. know we get a sick pleasure watching disasters yeah you know well there, there's like that b-roll footage in the film of all these car wrecks and i feel like this movie is kind of like that or those mm-hmm. movies are like they're they're car accidents that you can't look away from mm-hmm. there's a there's a depravity to that yeah. this film is making you feel like wow like i feel gross because because i'm watching this yeah because other like otherwise they're presenting it in a way that you can enjoy it. This movie is very much being like you're enjoying this and you're fucked up for that. <laughs> I think okay, sorry, I have to say this. I think that is what Quentin Tarantino is trying to do at the end of uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. I think his actual goal not is not to change history, but mm-hmm. to get you to enjoy that this violent atrocity is happening mm-hmm. and like, like make you watch it and make you like it, mm-hmm. which is what these movies did, you know? Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, did not like this movie. Uh, and probably won't be revisiting anytime soon. Uh, for anybody out there who watched it along with us and all feel similarly about not liking it. We're sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We didn't want to watch this movie either, <laughs> but you know what? <laughs> Greener pastures ahead. Seth, we have an yeah. announcement for our next episode. Uh, yeah, so sorry, why don't you go ahead that. and let everybody know. You're fine. Uh, so, yeah. So um, this, is, this is my only structured part of the week. So I, I want to get it right. Okay. Um, so, yeah. Uh, next week, we're going to have a guest, uh, a good buddy of mine. A guest? Ian Malden. Uh, Ian is a uh, content creator. He, is, he has a podcast. 
I'm a musician. The, the, his podcast is awesome. It's called uh, Shrimp and Crits. It's a, a gaming podcast. Uh, it's really cool. Um, yeah, he's going to be on here next week, and we let him pick the film. Mm-hmm. And the film that we're going to be doing is Big Fish. Big Fish from 2003. 2003. Yeah. Big Fish, 2003, uh, directed by Tim Burton, written by John August. So if you guys are looking to look that one up, that is where you can find it. Uh, Big Fish. Big fan of Big Fish. Have you ever seen Big Fish, though? One time, but I was a kid and I don't remember. So Okay. I I very much like this movie. So I'm very I when you when uh Ian uh picked it, I was like, Oh, I would never probably pick that for my for ourselves, but like I'm so glad. It's it's yeah, I'm very excited. Cool. Cool. So yes. Look forward uh, to us welcoming Ian onto the show next time. Uh, we're going to be super pumped to have him. Uh, and first time guest. Oh, my gosh. We're going to have a guest for the very first time. It's going to be interesting the dyna- how yeah. the dynamics going to change and stuff like that. But it'll be fun. So for all of you guys watching along with us, uh, Big Fish will be the film. Thank you so much for listening in to the What's It About Film podcast. We will see you next time. Adios. Bye. Bye.